You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello, I'm Anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, movie therapy listeners. Kristen here. What you are about to hear is not a regular episode of movie therapy. It is a very special episode of When Megan Met Harry. This is a podcast that I used to host in the lead up to the royal wedding, along with MTV host James Barr in the UK. And a lot of our old listeners asked us to post an episode all about the Megan and Harry interview with Oprah Winfrey. And so we made that episode and we're posting it here because we think you will love it and also because we don't own the podcast feed for When Megan Met Harry. That belongs to our old company. Without further ado, when Megan met Harry, the Oprah interview. Kristen, is that you? Are you there? It's me. It is. And it's Megan and Harry. Yay! Yes, it's me. And we Woo! are back. Oh my gosh, James, I have missed you and our podcast so much. So have I. When Megan met Harry forever, I've got my favorite mug here. I'm ready to go. Messy bun, getting stuff done. Yes, yes, yes. And listeners out there. So many of you have asked us to bring back the show over the years, and today is your day. And we have such a good reason to be back. The one, the only queen of the United States of America (laughs) and the United Kingdom when we finally join you guys. (laughs) The one and only Oprah. Yes, indeedy. Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. Oprah, who, as we all now know, sat down with Meghan and Harry in a monumental two-hour interview that was watched by millions of people around the world this week. And we're going to dive into it in today's very special episode of... Where Meghan Met Harry, The Oprah Interview. Hello, I'm James Barr, a Harry-loving, Megan-preaching, ginger gay living in the United Kingdom. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, a gal who believes we can all sparkle like Markle. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) Royal Wedding fans, we are so excited to be back with you all today to talk about Megan, Harry, and Oprah. Oh, yes, we are. We have missed all of you so much. And rest assured, we are going to gush on everything today, just like we did back in the old days. Yes, we're going to start off with a brief overview of the interview. And next, we'll dig into the top 10 moments that have really stood out to us and shook us to our core. And finally, we'll talk about the aftermath online. And with everyone involved, this is truly a monumental event. Yes, but first, you'll notice this episode is not in the old podcast feed for when Megan met Harry. And that is because 
we don't actually own that feed. It belongs to the company we used to work for. But that doesn't mean we can't drop a special reunion episode into the feeds we actually do own. Yes. So this episode is appearing in the feed for Movie Therapy with Rafer and Kristen. That is one of my podcasts. And in each episode of Movie Therapy, listeners write in with their life issues. And my co-host Rafer and I give them advice as well as TV and movie recommendations to help them through whatever ails them. It's also dropping for the first time ever in Vision. You can watch the highlights from this podcast wearing our cute fascinators from the big day itself on our personal Twitter feeds and at Royal Wedding Pod, plus my IGTV feed on Instagram at I'm James Barr. Yes, yes, yes. And now, James, now that we have those announcements out of the way, shall we get started with our overview portion of the show? Let's do it, Kristen. All right. So, overview time. The interview took place over the course of two days in February in the garden of a friend of Oprah and the Sussexes. Media reports have suggested that the friend whose grounds this interview took place on were actually Gail King's, Oprah's best friend. I love that. (laughs) Do you think Oprah was just there chilling and was like, you know what? This garden would be so great to bring down the patriarchy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the first half of the interview is just Megan on her own with Oprah. The second half is Harry and Megan together with Oprah. And in the first five minutes of the interview, it is made abundantly clear Megan and Harry were not paid for the interview. They were not told the questions in advance. And of course, in Oprah's words, no topic is off limits. Interspersed through the interview are loads of moments of the Sussexes taped on day two on their own property, walking around with Oprah and chatting more casually. We see them with their dogs and feeding the hens they rescued from a factory farm. Notably, their chicken coop is adorably called Archie's Chick Inn. We also see the family playing on the beach and how big Archie has gotten now. When they're on their own turf, Harry's wearing jeans, a black polo shirt, hashtag hot, wellies, which is so adorable. Megan wears a really similar outfit, plus a jacket. Ooh. Yes, yes. And of course, we can't overlook the amazing outfits they wore during the sit-down portion of the interview. Harry wears a slim, light gray suit with open-collared white shirt. He is looking so GQ. And notably, Megan is wearing the very famous diamond tennis bracelet that used to belong to her late mother-in-law, Princess Diana. She is also wearing a stunning black V-neck Armani dress that looks to have a motif of lotuses on the shoulder. Notably, lotuses are resilient and grow out of the mud, just like our beloved Megan. She's also wearing very heavy eye makeup. I love that deep dive into the lotuses. Princess Diana had a very similar look of a black V-neck jacket over white blouse with heavy eye makeup when she gave her famous Martin Bashir interview with the BBC in 1995. That famous interview in which she revealed how unhappy she was as a princess. Yes, we can't forget there were three people in that marriage is what she said. (laughs) We know who the third person was. We do. do. (laughs) It was me. No, it was, yeah. (laughs) In addition to the interview portions of the show, there are also news clips and headlines interspersed throughout to help tell the story of the Sussexes, including wedding footage from that amazing day, including all those courtship moments, including, oh, all the glamour, all the beauty, all the love forever between these two. Oprah, of course, in her extremely amazingly queen way dives into questions that make her guests open up right away and the Sussexes seem ready and willing sharing details that I don't think 
any of us anticipated, naming names and giving truly shocking revelations over the following two hours. So, Kristen, how are you feeling after watching this? Because I'm not okay. You know, I... I was really taken aback, James. I did not expect them to be so forthcoming with a lot of the details they share in this interview. I mean, we're going to get to those in our top 10 moments, but I'll just give you a preview here. Some of them are very upsetting, some of those details they give. Extremely upsetting. I actually cried at certain points watching this. Yeah, I'm profoundly shaken by what has been said, both from a mental health point of view and also a racism point of view, not because that's something I've lived through, but hearing that lived experience is traumatizing. Yeah, very much so. Now, before we get into the moments we considered the most shocking and revealing, we're going to take a really quick break. But before we do, reminder, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm James Barr and at K10Minzer. That's K10Minzer. With Game Pass. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Or she, call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. We're back and it's time to spill some very hot tea. And yes, it is absolutely scorching. I don't know if I can speak, Kristen, because I have burnt my mouth. (laughs) We have some moments that truly stood out to us as surprising and shocking. So let's get to them. Take it away. Yes. All right. I am going to put some milk in my mouth right now so my tongue can move again. My poor burned (laughs) tongue. All of me. I'm burning hot over every detail they gave us. So let's start with shocker 10. We're going to do a countdown from 10 to 1. So number 10. Megan and Harry are having a girl. Yes. Right off the bat, Oprah comes onto the set and she hugs Megan and she's like, oh my gosh, you're really pregnant. Is it a boy or a girl? When I say hug, I don't really mean physically hug because we're social distancing still because of COVID, but you know, the air hug with each other. And Megan says, you know what? I'm going to wait until Harry's here and I'll let him tell you the news. And sure enough, he says, it's a girl 
and life could not be more perfect. What more could you ask for a boy and a girl? And they will always be a prince and a princess to us. Yes, they already are. They already are. Shocker number nine, Meghan and Harry were married three days before the big day. Can you believe this, Kristen? I am so jealous because I got to tell you, my husband Dean and I wanted to get secret married before we got married. When we got our wedding license, we thought we could get married that day. They said, no, you have to come back on this other day. But then it was too long of a line to get in. So we didn't get to get secret married. And I've always wanted to be that person. I always wanted to be that person who got secret married. Megan and Harry, of course, pulled it off. They got married on the grass outside, just the two of them and the bishop, and had a sweet little private moment that was just about them, not at all about the crown, not at all about the public. It was just for the two of them. You were on a plane to London during this moment where they were actually getting married. Do you feel at all cheated that you didn't see the real wedding? (laughs) Not at all. I mean, I got to say, James, Uh, The event in Windsor was truly the greatest day. It was so spectacular. There were tens of thousands of people from all over the world there, all of them excited, all of us united over love. And I I will never think that day was a letdown knowing this. It really was not a letdown. It was still a beautiful day. It does not take away from that at all to me. But how do you feel about that? I love it for them. I think they deserve a moment just for them. And I don't think it matters because a ceremony is just a ceremony. But there's so much rudeness in the UK about the fact that they got secretly married before their actual wedding when taxpayers were paying for the wedding. And the royals, obviously, as we know, paid for this big day, which cost £32 million. Now, UK taxpayers pay the royal family £67 million every year. But I mean, that's literally only £1 each for all of us a year. So quick maths, you know, it was the best day of our lives. And I'm cool with that. But I can understand why some people are upset. But I agree. I think that was what they had to do. What they wanted was something smaller and more intimate. But I mean, if you're getting married to a prince, you are going to have to have a big wedding, right? Yes. And I do want to add that wedding brought in $1 billion in tourism revenue and uh, media properties and uh, swag, a lot of other things, merchandising and so on. So I don't want to tell you how you should feel about your tax dollars being spent the way they are, James, because this is your nation. No, you tell me. But I will say, (laughs) I will say as an outsider, I was very happy to pay for things like hotels, food, uh, train tickets, everything else necessary to get to that wedding. I was very happy to dump some money in that economy there. You are a thousand percent right. Same. (laughs) Shocker number eight, Megan set the record straight on Kate right off the bat. Yes. Oprah asked if the rumors are true of a rivalry, if Meghan really was a bridezilla who made Kate cry at one of the bridesmaids' fittings. Uh, But no, no, that's not the case at all. Meghan says it was the other way around, but she was incredibly gracious about it. She said that Kate apologized, gave her flowers and a note, and did everything Meghan would do if she hurt someone. Meghan forgave her. But that whole story in the press, it was a major turning point, and it hurt Meghan very badly. She felt it was the beginning of a character assassination, a character assassination that the firm clearly had no desire to correct. James, were you surprised that Meghan actually named names here? 
I loved it. I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm such an honest person, so I don't understand why you wouldn't name names. And I think it's about time that Megan told her side of the story. If the press are going to go out there and say that Megan made Kate cry, but the palace aren't going to correct that. And then years later, they're suggesting that Megan is bullying or was bullying people at the palace. I think it's absolutely correct that Megan should come out and set the record straight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of people, at least on this side of the pond, think of those kinds of stories as a smear campaign against Megan. I cannot wait to get into that. We're going to discuss how both sides of the pond are responding. But first, shocker number seven, the firm is apparently afraid of the press. Megan says the royal family corrected small, inconsequential things in tabloids, but took no steps to set the record straight on anything that was big, like Megan making Kate cry, even though it was the other way around. And that's partly because the press and royals have a complicated relationship where they rely on each other to sell papers, but also do the royal family's PR for them. The tabloids even have an annual holiday party every year at the palace, or at least they did before the pandemic. I don't think I knew that. Did you know that, James? Did you know that the members of the press all get to have a party at the palace every year? I didn't, but it kind of makes sense. Like, if you don't want the press to say bad things about you, you would definitely become friends with them, right? Yeah, but I mean, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Are most of these press outlets even legitimate, like, outlets? A lot of them just seem like rags, at least to me over here, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Who you got in a rag? (laughs) I love that. No, you're right. I'm all for freedom of speech, but there has to be some responsibility for that freedom of speech. You you cannot just say whatever you want. If you're going to incite hatred or racism, that that's not freedom of speech. That's bullying. And there's a difference. There's a very firm difference between freedom of speech and bullying. Absolutely. So shall we get to shocker number six, James? Shocker number six. The family was very welcoming in the beginning. And this is so cute. I love this part. In particular, The queen was incredibly welcoming to Meghan and has always been wonderful to Meghan. This was reiterated over and over and over again in the interview. Meghan and Harry are still very close with her. They still just pick up the phone and call her and talk to her. And, you know, she was one of the first people that Meghan met. And when they first met, Meghan quickly had to learn how to do a curtsy. She didn't know how to curtsy. And during their first royal engagement together, that big event on the train that we all know about, the queen first said, Megan, let's have breakfast together. And she gave Megan a a gift of jewelry. And they laughed a lot. They had a wonderful time. She's always been so good to Megan. And Megan has just adored her from day one. They shared a blanket too. I think their relationship sounds adorable. Do you believe it, Kristen? Or like, what are your thoughts? Because you can't attack the queen, right? But they're attacking everything around the queen, supposedly. So it's really interesting. Do you think it's true or are they just trying to hold back from I think it's true I think it's true I have a feeling you know there have been rumors for years that the queen's favorite grandson was Harry and that she took an extra protective role in the boys lives after Diana died and so you know I I have no doubt that she's extra affectionate with those boys and with their wives and what's not to love about Megan? I could see the two of them having a blast together. And, you know, the queen, for all of her commitment to propriety and doing what's right, she also famously knows how to make people comfortable. She's very famous for being very hospitable and making people feel good. Uh, Michelle Obama has said that. Other famous people have said that the queen is very skilled at that. So I'm not surprised. How do you feel the queen? I mean, we can talk about this in a bit, but. Do you think the Queen 
knew this was coming. Oof. The the all the revelations in the Oprah special? Well, Harry said they still talk, and I just wonder whether he'd possibly given his grandmother a heads up. Mm. Well, he does say in the special he would never blindside his grandmother. He does say that. Like, as far as them stepping back from the firm, he makes clear we never blindsided her, and we would never blindside her. So maybe, maybe she did have a heads up. Oh, maybe she's in on it. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be amazing. Maybe she's just like, oh, anything to not let Charles be king. <laughs> You said it, not me. It would be off with my head if I said that. (laughs) Shocker number five, Tyler Perry rescued them. When the Sussexes first stepped back from senior roles, their hope was to live in Canada, which is a Commonwealth country, and continue to still do some work for the Crown. But when the firm decided they would not be allowed and cut them off financially, including their security, it was a problem because the tabloids published where they lived. So they decided to move to LA and it was Tyler Perry who put them up in his home and paid for their security for months whilst Meghan and Harry came up with a new game plan. I was shocked by this. I know this is such a minor detail, but Tyler Perry, actor, director, film producer, Hollywood mogul, he was the one who was like, hey, just just stay at my mansion. Come over here. I'll protect you. I mean, it is such a kind, heroic thing for him to do. Do you think he was friends with them already? I have no idea. I guess so. But I'm wondering where Gail was. Like, where was Gail's garden when they needed it the most? <laughs> she could have put them up for months in that garden and no one would have found them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That garden is, by the way, roughly about 25 times the size of my entire apartment. But, yeah. you know, at least the section they were sitting in under the trees <laughs> in the interview. I'm pretty sure it's 25 times the size of Buckingham Palace, to be honest. <laughs> it's enormous. Yeah, but, oh, my gosh. Tyler Perry saving the day. It, it does give me a tender feeling in my heart toward Tyler Perry. I'm like, I need to watch some more Tyler Perry movies. I thought that was really sweet. Shocker number four, what Harry thinks Diana would think. Oh, Ooh. this is going to make me cry. So I'd like you to read it, Kristen. <laughs> sure. Um, gentle reminder for everybody out there. James here, J- beautiful James. You actually were one of the many, many people, one of the millions who laid flowers down uh, as a memorial for Princess Di when she passed away. Uh, her death was a monumental moment in your life, in mine. It really was a shocker. And here in the U.S., we still love Diana so much. So to know what Harry thinks Diana would think about him, it was a very moving moment. Harry thinks his mother would be sad and angry with everything that happened. But more than anything, she wanted her boys to be happy. Harry says that, you know, even though she'd probably be upset by what's happened to me and Megan, she just wanted us to be happy. And maybe that's why she left me a sizable inheritance, because perhaps she knew what was going to happen. And thanks to that inheritance, Megan and I were able to support ourselves until we landed those deals with Spotify and Netflix. That's what Harry said in the interview. And I thought that was incredibly moving. It was like his late mother was still as a guardian angel looking out for them. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Harry says he didn't want history to repeat itself. But in a way, it sort of has repeated itself. Um, So I think Diana would be angry and sad, but also proud of what they're both accomplishing and how they're telling their truth right now. Yeah, very much so. Shocker number three. (laughs) Charles stopped taking Harry's calls and Wills is on a different path. What does that mean? Ooh, yeah. Well, the thing is, Harry and Meghan were in talks 
for close to two years, they said, uh, while she was still pregnant with Archie. They were in talks to partially step back from the family business. But despite their attempts to constantly keep the lines of communication open, Charles eventually stopped taking Harry's calls and things are still very rough with them. Harry says he's working to heal that relationship and he will for the rest of his life, but things are not so good now. And he also admits that he and Wills are still not uh, what they would ideally be as far as how close they are. What is it with these men being completely useless at talking about their feelings? (laughs) And I'm talking to Charles. I'm also talking to Megan's dad. I don't understand how this can happen to to both of them. It's so distressing and upsetting. And I just want to put my arms around all all of them. Maybe not Charles. (laughs) 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 Definitely Megan and Harry. Shocker number two. Megan was suicidal. Megan wanted to die. She was lonely. She was rarely allowed to leave the palace. She felt that no one was protecting her. The firm refused to help her get mental health assistance because they were afraid of how it might look. In the most heartbreaking story, she talks about how she finally told Harry how she was feeling and that at night she was thinking about how to die. And they had an engagement at the Royal Albert Hall just hours later. So she chose to go with Harry because they both knew there was a chance she would kill herself if he left her home alone. So they dressed up and smiled and he held Megan's hand really tightly. And every time the lights went down, she cried. Notably, one of the people who ended up being most supportive during this time was a friend of the late Diana. Now, there's a lot here, and Mm. I really felt that description when Megan talked about being up at night and not wanting to be alive anymore and how it was a methodical feeling of suicide. And I've definitely been through that, so it is completely accurate. (laughs) And the reaction to Megan's honesty here has been absolutely vile, Kristen. Like, it's condescending. People have no empathy they talk about how megan has been accused of bullying as a way of deflecting the wider problems around mental health and i just think it's it's a real shame because this is a conversation that really needs to be had not just because of megan but because of other people also experiencing this who feel like they cannot talk about it or seek help yeah i thought it was very brave of her to talk about this i was crying during this part you know when she was describing that event at Royal Albert Hall and just every time the lights went down, she cried. Oh, my God. I cried when she said that. It sounded just heartbreaking and to feel so alone in it. And she said also, you know, they took away her keys. They took away her driver's license. They took away all the things. Like It's not like she could just call an Uber and say, please drive me to a mental health facility. She couldn't just do that. She was essentially held hostage there. And, oh, it was just so heartbreaking. Shocker number one, the firm had concerns about Archie's skin tone. Yes, and this is the moment when Oprah's mouth dropped open. She was all of us. The shock of, will Archie's skin be too dark? How will that look for us? Will he look like he fits in? And the implication that if he's too dark, he won't, which to me is just bonkers because let's be real – 60% of the Commonwealth is not white. And if they saw themselves in Archie or in Meghan, that wouldn't be a bad thing. If they saw their complexion reflected in the royal family, that would actually be a good thing. But it sounds as though the way this concern was expressed 
was not a concern of like, won't it be uh, great regardless of what his skin tone is? We will love him no matter what. It was an expression of, oh, no, what if it's too dark? And my mouth dropped to the floor as well. Um, neither Harry or Meghan were specific about who said this in the family, uh, leading to a lot of conversations. But Oprah's now made clear that the day after Harry had told her it was neither the Queen or Prince Philip that had raised this question of skin tone. Also notable, Harry says he had a lot of learning to do to become more enlightened about race and the rest of his family are still not there. They see the bullying in the press that Kate got for waiting around for Will as the same as the racist headlines about Meghan. But as Megan has said in a bonus clip the next day, there's a difference between rudeness and racism. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, wow. Yeah. We're going to take one more quick break, James. But before we do, we want to remind all of you out there that if you're considering suicide, if you're in a not good place, you are not alone. So many of us have been there, too. There is help. There are suicide prevention hotlines in every corner of the world. In the U.S., you can call 800-273-8255. In the UK, it's 08457 909090. When we're back, the aftermath of the interview. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the future in this year's wildest super fun show for adults. Hey gang, it's Josh Olson. And Joe Dante. And we want to tell you about our podcast. It's about movies. Josh, there are a thousand podcasts about movies. Sure, but ours is different, Joe. That's true, actually. Our guests are writers, directors, musicians, comedians, actors. Hell, we even have other podcasters on. We play no favorites, and they don't talk so much about their own work but about the movies that have influenced them and made them who they are. We call out the movies that made me. We've talked with people like Guillermo del Toro, Little Stevie Van Zandt, Martin Short, Ethan Hawke, William Freakin, Barbara Crampton, Jonathan Ross, Dennis Lehane, Mark Duplass, Adam McKay, Lorraine Newman, Jason Reitman, Alison Anders, Elijah Woods, Stephen Canales, Eli Roth, Joe Bob Briggs, Roger Corman, Bobcat Goldthwait, Leon Douglas, Dana Gould, Martin Campbell, Shane Black, Albert Hughes, Emily Deschanel, Joe Biafra, Ari Fessenden, Nicole Hawson, Shotty King, Lee Daniels, Roslyn Chow, Clancy Brown, Yardley Smith, Ike Barrel, Steve Arkett, Thomas Miller, Jimmy and Uwe Boll. It may not be highbrow, but it's lots of fun. Subscribe for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. In color to thrill you as never before. All right, James, we are back. And let's talk about the aftermath of this interview with all the shocking moments. Of course, by the way, there were more than those 10 shocking moments. Those are just the top 10 in our opinion. <laughs> there were hundreds of shocking moments. Yes, there were so many <laughs> shocking moments. But um, I can say here from a business perspective, it was huge. It's estimated that CBS paid Oprah $7 million for this and that ITV paid an additional $1 million. And then there's all the other countries in the world that pay for the rights to air this interview. And I'll also point out that in the U.S., this was the most watched event of the year that was a non-sporting event. I find it so I find it incredible that Oprah got paid seven million dollars and yet Meghan and Harry don't get any of that. I mean she's gotta take them out for a massive lunch at the Ivy or something. <laughs> 
I was thinking about that too. I'm like, maybe Oprah will gift them just, you know, maybe for a wedding anniversary present, a giant box of money. Or she could just give them the garden furniture from Gail's house because that was also delicious. (laughs) Those chairs, beautiful. Yes. But we should talk, Kristen, we should talk about the conversation happening on both sides of the pond because there is such a huge reaction in the UK. And I think it's probably quite different to the one in the US. Yeah, I am dying to know how you on the ground are seeing things. Because, you know, I see the headlines over here. I see what gets circulated on social media. I see the covers of the Daily Mail and the Daily Express over here. Um, But I'm curious about, you know, how many of those covers are you seeing through your networks? How are people reacting and so on? I woke up Monday morning And I saw everything and I heard the clips on the radio and I watched clips online. Honestly, like I've never really felt so ashamed to be British, which is a heavy thing to say, but it's true. That's exactly how I felt. The royal family is such a huge part of who we are um, that it's literally like ingrained into our national identity. And, you know, Her Majesty the Queen is my sovereign and I am her subject. So if... Meghan and Harry are saying that this institution is racist. I also feel as though they are saying that the UK is. And I know that to be true because we've got statues of racist people all over the place. Um, But there are lots of different sides to this scandal. Like Piers Morgan was vile on Good Morning Britain uh, this week. Can I just interject here and say, isn't Piers Morgan always vile? I mean, I was on his show a few weeks ago and he asked me to give specific examples. If racism is such a problem, if uh, Megan has it so hard, give me some specific examples of racist headlines she had to face. And as I was naming them off, he yelled over me the entire time. And if he's yelling at me, a woman of color, trying to explain what racism is, uh, I I just, that is bullying right there. So I, I just see him that way all the time. But you're saying it has been even worse in the aftermath oh, of this interview? It, yeah. Even worse on so many levels. He, I, I watched that interview you had with Piers and I thought you were incredible. He does not listen to other people's lived experience. He shuts them down. Earlier, his presenter, Alex, was on the desk with him and tried to explain uh, his experience as a person of color and how that same conversation about a baby's skin color had happened in his life. And Pierce is just throwing his toys out of the pram, talking over him, at one point even walked off set. Um, he, oh my God. He, on Monday morning, he called Megan a liar. He referred to rumors of bullying, questioning Megan's character. He referred to Harry at one point, her husband, as the bloke she's sleeping with and suggested oh. the, the comment. I know, right? Oh. That is so misogynistic. Um, he even suggested that the comments over Archie's skin color could have been an innocent question. So not covert or overt racism, but just like a casual conversation. And by the way, Piers Morgan, as of this taping, has stepped down from ITV's Good Morning Britain after 41,000 complaints came in about his treatment of Meghan Markle, about his bigotry, about his lack of sensitivity around suicide, which means Meghan really is changing lives. What Meghan and Harry have done together is so unbelievably brave because this country is so 
connected to the royal family, as I was saying, it is part of our identity, that so many people feel individually attacked by Meghan and Harry's comments because part of their identity has also been attacked. But that's not everyone because then there's the other side of it that is calling it a rotten institution that needs to go. Hashtag abolish the monarchy has been trending on Twitter for days here. One thing that's really hilarious is it was trending in the state of Massachusetts for a while. Massachusetts is home to what uh, you may know as the Boston Tea Party. Oh, yeah. That started the American Revolution <laughs> uh, where, you know, we said no taxation without representation. We threw the tea into the river and said, we're not playing along with you anymore, monarchy. I really enjoyed the meme I saw that America was once again spilling tea to abolish the monarchy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so that good. Um, oh, there have been so many good memes, so many good ones. <laughs> but there's also been memes attacking Meghan uh, here, especially on horrible parts of the internet like Facebook, um, where there's been a picture of Meghan's dress with her white lotuses saying even the seagulls hate her. So there's oh. a lot of people coming for Meghan and rejecting her comments. And I think it's important to acknowledge that because we we need to talk about these issues more than ever right now and forever. And Meghan has highlighted such a problem in the UK, which is that people do not want to admit that this society is built and funded in part, in huge part, by racism. But people are not happy with looking at themselves in the mirror and accepting that. So I think it's incredible that Meghan and Harry have bravely stood up and made a stand against that. So people are calling for the UK to abolish the monarchy and pay our nurses and doctors instead. Um, but what's interesting, I think, Kristen, is that the Queen has clearly been separated from the firm, yes. right? She's been distanced from these accusations of racism from that very senior royal. So I don't know. My personal view is that it's possible to love Meghan and Harry and the Queen whilst acknowledging and realizing that the systems and institutions at the top like need to change. Yeah, I think it's a very good metaphor for what systemic racism is, honestly. Um, we can love an individual but there are larger systems at play here. And even if one person is very good to you within a system that's problematic, it doesn't change the fact that the system is problematic. I mean, if you are upset about Megan speaking out against racism, just wait until you find out about uh, the history of slavery in the UK and how Queen Elizabeth I funded the first slave ships. Uh, just wait until you find out about the colonizing of brown countries. What Megan's speaking about is endemic of a larger history, a bigger problem, but it's just a drop in the bucket compared to these larger issues. So, you know, that's one of the things that I see people talking about here over on this side of the pond. And also, I see people over here just being very protective of her. She is our American princess. And even if people didn't know who she was before Harry, even if people are lukewarm on her as an actor or anything else, her speaking to the pain of daily microaggressions, of feeling unprotected, of people not believing her, of people accusing her of being an angry black woman, all of these things that she has to deal with. And, you know, I think so many people in America can identify that and they can see themselves in that story, even, you know, even if they weren't royal watchers before, even if they weren't Megan fans before, what she was speaking to really touched a nerve with so many people. Yeah. Uh, James, a lot of what we're talking about are the things you and I are observing, especially in our own circles. 
over there, have there been any public opinion surveys uh, measuring more precisely how people feel about Meghan and Harry after the Oprah interview? Sky News have just put out a survey where basically the UK is completely split on their opinion of it. On the whole, 36% of people said they sympathised with the Queen and the Royal Family, whilst only 22% have said they sympathised more with Harry and Meghan. I mean, that is just so shocking. Um, But when you break that down into age, I think it's really interesting. 48 8% of 18 to 24-year-olds sympathise more with Harry and Meghan, whilst only 9% of over 65s sided with the couple. So effectively, there's a major split between younger people and older people, which makes sense. Now, what about the royal family themselves? Uh, Let's talk about what they're doing in the aftermath of this interview. Prince Charles has now been seen in public for the first time visiting an NHS vaccine pop-up clinic in North London. And this is kind of funny. The Prince of Wales was pictured at Jesus House Church. And I imagine (laughs) Jesus was probably one of the first words out of his mouth when he watched this interview. (laughs) Well, we also need to point out that the Queen put out an official statement today, Tuesday, March 9th, saying that the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. Whilst some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately, the Queen said. She concluded saying, Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members. James, does the Queen's statement make you feel better, or do you think that what's happened with Meghan and Harry has shaken your confidence in the crown? Like, the fabric of our relationship with the royal family in this country has changed forever. Mm. So, yeah, normally we end our show back in the day when we had it. We used to end every episode of When Meghan Met Harry with a royal wedding prediction. But instead, I guess we're just going to end with our hopes, right? Yeah. We hope that things are changing for the better. We hope this conversation gets people to feel more comfortable confronting uh, their own pain and talking about it and realizing they're not alone in the world. Look, I, I could not agree more. No matter who you are in the world, you're never alone. And that's it. It's time to say goodbye to this very special episode of When Meghan Met Harry, the Oprah interview. Oh, and it has been so magical, James. This really has been so special to get together. Be sure to follow our other shows. I co-host A Gay and a Non-Gay, a podcast all about allyship. And Kristen hosts Movie Therapy with Rafer. It's an amazing podcast. Please check it out. In fact, we're in that feed right now. So hopefully you will. (laughs) And be sure to follow us on Twitter at I'm James Barr and at Kristen Meinzer. We still have our Twitter feed up for when Megan met Harry as well. That Twitter feed is at Royal Wedding Pod. Always remember to keep Megan, Harry, Archie and baby girl in your hearts because we will too. Until next time, I'm James Barr. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Love forever. Yay, love forever. (laughs) Yay. Hi, I'm Neil. 
And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. For over a hundred years, the world has been captivated by Hollywood. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. Where stars are born. But just beneath the stardust lie a million more fascinating stories that when sewn together form an incredible history. The Secret History of Hollywood, available now wherever you get podcasts.